everyone, and welcome back to our virtual school podcast, Learn, Aspire, Thrive, Achieve. The aim of our episodes and topics are to inform the work of our educational professionals and support the work they do with our vulnerable young people. My name is John Jordan-Hills, and as usual, I'm here with my colleague Edwina Erskine to host another interesting episode today. Thanks, John. We've had some lovely feedback again this week from a number of our colleagues and professionals who have commented how interesting our guests have been and how useful the topics and conversations are proving to support the work that they do. So no pressure for today's guests then? Not at all. Today we are here to talk with Claire and Andrew about governance and accountability. Claire Hyens is our virtual school head in Cambridgeshire. Uh, Claire, we met you on our very first podcast. Would you like to say hello to our audience? Hi, everybody. Great to be back with you today. Lovely. Now, Andrew, we haven't met you yet in our podcast capacity. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little about your involvement with the virtual school? Yes, so certainly. Hello. I uh, started... uh, uh, my experience with the virtual school were a teacher and as a math CEO and uh, then was asked whether I'd be uh, willing to become the chair of the virtual school board. Previous experience, math CEO for five years, um, Ofsted inspector, uh, currently director of three multi-academy trusts trust, uh, in terms of the trust board and um, extensive experience teaching most age groups. So delighted to be here. Thank you very much. And as mentioned, we're here today to talk about governance and accountability. So, Claire, can you tell us a little bit about the context in which virtual schools are held to account? Yes. So, like all schools, Cambridgeshire Virtual School are under the scrutiny of national bodies, including Ofsted and the Care Quality Commission. We're inspected by the ILAX framework, which is the, which is the inspection of children's services. As part of this, an education inspector will consider how effectively the virtual school is promoting educational outcomes for our cohort of children. Amongst other things, Ofsted will look at the quality of our PEPs and talk to senior leaders in school about the work of the virtual school and how it's impacting on the provision for children in care within the educational settings. The framework hasn't yet been expanded to take account of the growing remit of the virtual school, so when, by that I mean children previously in care and those known to social care. However, I would anticipate changes to this in the future. We also feature within the area send inspection and all of our work is set within a statutory framework, namely promoting the education of looked after and previously looked after children. But also other frameworks such as the exclusions, admissions and attendance guidance. We really value this, both the support and the challenge that we receive from the bodies we report to. We absolutely recognise that if we want to continue to evolve and do the very best for our children, then we need to be reflective. And having challenge from a range of partners means that we're really viewing our work from from the widest perspective possible. We report to our corporate parenting committee, which feeds into the Children and Young People's Committee. Andrew, do you want to talk a little bit about, about these committees? Uh, yeah, so the Corporate Parenting Board comprises the elected members, which are basically the councillors and senior managers of the council, and they've got responsibility for ensuring that looked-after children and care leavers receive services that meet their needs. The looked-after children virtual school board, management board, therefore reports to the corporate services in a number of ways, but principally to uh, give assurances that it's felt that the virtual school is being run uh, effectively and in a a way that um, uh, meets the vision of the council. 
and as corporate parents the council strives to ensure that uh, all services provided to look after children are safe and supportive and promote their talent skills and potential and enables them to be the best that they can possibly be. Interestingly, back in 2012, which was prior to virtual schools um, having that statutory remit, um, Ofsted did report on the on the success of 11 virtual schools that were involved in the pilot. And amongst those findings was very much around corporate parenting being at its strongest when virtual schools are well resourced, they're empowered to influence service priorities and really importantly that they were held account effectively by elected members and seniors and senior managers. Um, part of the statutory work of virtual schools is to produce an annual report and this report is scrutinised by the Corporate Parenting Board and as head of virtual, the virtual school I'm, I'm very much held account to that report. Um, it also provides a steer, really, in, in some of the things that we're then looking looking at doing. So one of the things that's come from that recently, from our most recent report, is that we were highlighted within that report some of the issues that we have around some of our separated um, migrant children and when they're coming in into the local authority and the availability of roll-on, roll-off provision. And we've been able to work with one of our elected members, um, which has really impacted on that, and we've now um, got much better provision as a result of that. We were also asked by the elected members at other times um, to report on other aspects. Um, so, you know, it might well be that, that they come back to me with a specific question or, um, or ask for a report on a specific theme of interest to them or something that's come through from another area of, of work within the local authority that does impact on education for, for our cohort of children. And we really try to involve the councillors in our wider work of the virtual school. So we've had members that have been part of interview processes. And most recently, we delivered our recovery through relationship training to our elected members. In addition to the, the formal corporate parenting board, we also have an informal corporate parenting board. And this is um, chaired by a councillor, but made up of children and young people from our Children in Care Council. So each year when we do our annual report, we also produce a, a, a child-friendly version of the report. And um, the perspective of this group is, is really invaluable to the work that we're doing. They've directed aspects of work of the virtual school. For example, we've got a programme um, underway at the moment, which is about how care experience is portrayed within the holistic curriculum within the school. And that's very much come about from, from our children in care coming to us and saying that this is, this is a priority and this is something that they would like us to take forward and work with schools on. This all seems really different to the usual role of school governing bodies as, as we know them. Claire, can you just explain a little bit about how the Virtual School Management Board works? Yeah, so so I guess our Virtual School Management Board is more strongly aligned to governing bodies within schools, um, more so than the, the Corporate Parenting Board. Um, so our Virtual School Management Board um, is has a non-statutory function. Um, actually, about 94% of virtual schools have, have a board of some description. So even though it isn't a statutory requirement to have one and there aren't statutory duties linked to it, it is absolutely considered to be best practice. And they might be known by different names. So, for example, within Norfolk, it's referred to as a reference group. Um, others may be management boards. But the commonality across, across them all would be that they are holding the virtual school to account and they're offering challenge around, around the work of the virtual school. And they would have set terms of reference that really set this out. 
within Cambridgeshire, uh, we have a, our own board and it's made up. We have um, an elected member on the board. We have senior leaders across early years, primary, secondary, and we're currently looking for um, somebody to represent post-16. If anyone listening to this is interested, then do please get in touch. Um, we also have a representation from social care. We have a care leaver, foster carer, and representation from another virtual school. And we meet four times a year. Andrew is chair of the Virtual School Management Board. Do you want to offer a little bit more of a perspective on this? Yeah, so we operate um, in a way that many people would be familiar with a normal school governing body, albeit it's for the virtual school, which means, of course, we have our uh, set agendas and we make sure that minutes are taken and um, we have a constitution and um, it's all very formal, but in a very uh, informal way in the context of us having a really good and detailed discussion at each meeting um, based on both the key needs that we're facing at the time, but also a whole series of set agenda items. Uh, so, for example, uh, we have a set of KPIs, key performance indicators, that we uh, look at regularly, and they, they give us a really good oversight of what's going on, uh, what the level of need is, what the challenge is, and how well we are all performing as a, a service. Um, we participate in PEP audits and reviews so that we can actually see what's going on on the ground in terms of day-to-day -day completion of confidential and um, uh, 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 materials and the way that uh, we go around assessing children's needs. And we also act in a way that is um, both challenging and supportive. So obviously the challenge comes through from questioning some of that data and really understanding where the pinch points are for delivery and uh, uh, providing advice and support for areas where there might be need of more resource. We also um, get out and about and act as an voice of advocacy for the team, for the for both Claire and uh, the rest of the, the um, executive team, because it's quite important for us to make sure that we can help them to maintain a really good profile of the virtual school, particularly in the minds of um, schools and all the multi-service uh, practitioners that uh, are party to much of the work that goes on. And, for example, we attended uh, what was a wonderful conference at the Marriott Hotel in Huntington this year for the 180 people who came to the virtual school uh, conference. And um, we often talk at, um, in the context of council meetings and other um, uh, CEO events and anywhere where we can help uh, Claire and her team uh, reinforce the importance of um, being aware of uh, the needs of uh, children in care and those with a... Um, who are social care experienced um, and make sure that um, uh, it's always top of the list. So um, it's challenge and it's support. Um, uh, and I have to say that's uh, not too hard to do when we're supporting a virtual school that is so run in the way that it is. Thanks, Andrew. Um, I guess one of the key differences is the um between the virtual school management board and school governing bodies is is the fact you know it isn't statutory there aren't those formal responsibilities and powers in the same way that there would be within within schools um there isn't that same legal accountability is there andrew no i mean i, th I guess we would say that we hold a collective conscience in the uh, for the um well-being of the children in care um, but um, the bit that we don't have that you might have if you were in a school governor is a set of uh, legal uh, expectations in, in a very specific way. So we feed into the whole. And when, when Ofsted come to call, we're part of that evidence base that um, uh, challenge and support is given to be on a, a trajectory of continuous improvement across the whole service. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to sum it up. Um, and I guess we could really, you know, look at it in terms of when you look at the, the governance handbook and the three core functions. So in terms of ensuring clarity of vision, ethos and strategic direction, although there's no um, statutory framework around that, that is absolutely best practice and something that I think we both agree the virtual school management board, you know, fulfil for us. There's also um, holding executive leaders to account for the educational performance of schools and its pupils and the effective and efficient performance management of staff. And in terms of, you know, absolutely, we're, we're held to account by the Virtual School Management Board in terms of the educational performance. In terms of performance management of staff, that would sit within the local authority. And then the third bit being the overseeing of financial performance. And again, that would sit within, within the local authority rather than within the Virtual School Management Board. I, I completely agree with you there, Claire. I mean, one of the things you never have to do is convince anybody of the importance of the needs of these children. That bit's a given, and that's I, know, I guess that's a product, isn't it, of the wonderful world that we live in where with committed volunteers who are there for the uh, and employed staff in schools, all of whom are universally there for the, for the, for the, in the best interest of children. I guess what, what often happens, though, is in the complexity and the demands of running a school, it, it, you can sometimes end in a position where operationally you're not necessarily doing it, things in the best way for those children in a way that you might not even have noticed. And the critical thing for that, therefore, for that for the designated teacher, and particularly those who have oversight, such as heads, but, but in particularly of late MAT uh, CEOs, multi-academy trust CEOs, is, you know, operating that um, watchful eye that really asks that critical question of self-review. Um, we're committed to outcomes for all children, but are there any children who are uh, underachieving because of their cir life circumstance? And that would certainly, of course, uh, predominantly apply for children who find themselves in a care scenario. And sometimes that means advantaging them uh, uh, in the context of making sure that they don't miss out. So, um, yeah, massively important. And all of which I've just described, of course, varies enormously across different uh, forms of governance and the different apparatus that's applied. But there shouldn't be now in 2023 um, any governance scenario, whether it's school, multi-academy trust, local uh, governance, um, that doesn't have somebody who is there with a watching eye and a watching brief to say, are these children being catered for in the best possible way? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think, you know, governors and trustees are significant partners in promoting the education of all three cohorts. Um, and interestingly, within the statutory guidance, the role of the designated teacher for looked after children and previously looked after children, there's a significant number of the DT's roles that are actually detailed within the section on the role of the governor. And that's because although the DT should be fulfilling the role, it's the responsibility of the governing body to ensure that the role of the DT is held by an appropriately qualified teacher, that they have the right seniority within the school, that they have sufficient time for training, that they um, have sufficient time really to complete their, their, their role in its entirety. And this that's further emphasised within the Governor's Handbook. There's absolutely an expectation that governors are holding the designated teacher and senior leaders within the school to account on the use of Pupil Premium Plus and Pupil Progress. And alongside this, I guess, you know, the expectation that the needs of the wider cohort are considered within every policy and practice across the school. And I guess how that role is fulfilled will be need to be considered within the unique context of every setting. No, I, I totally agree. And I guess the one thing that, that you, you have to remember, don't you, that um, most people uh, don't have experience of what it means to be care experienced or social worker 
um, experienced. And um, uh, so therefore, uh, it's sometimes important to try and make sure that everybody does have exposure to the kind of um, problems and challenges that sit outside of school as well as in school in a way that you might not have, uh, regularly come across in everyday yeah, life. I totally agree. Um, and I guess, you know, such a key part of it is communication, isn't it? You know, between the governing body, between the trustees, whether regardless of whether it sits within the, the local governing body or whether it sits um, within the trustees, within a mat, it's about that effective communication with, with the designated teacher, but also with the senior leaders across the schools. There's some really powerful information you've both shared with us today. Thank you so much, Claire and Andrew. Um, to conclude, Andrew, can you just share with us a little about what you feel that you personally bring to the Virtual School Management Board, how your role on the board um, impacts on other areas of your work or your life indeed? I mean, it's it's been an incredibly enriching experience. I mean, I, have, I do have some... Um, personal experience of uh, the care sector and um, it's been an absolute privilege to really have a deep dive into uh, the incredible work that goes on day to day week to week month to month every um, point of the year Christmas being one of the busiest for the team um, at other points when perhaps some, uh, some sectors of the school community are uh, in in uh, I'm not going to say downtime because teachers work so hard, but in quieter times, perhaps during term, um, the team's 24/7. It's um, um, uh, not um, uh, organised in a way that is around the the um, term time uh, cycle of a normal school, because of course these children need support uh, uh, all the time, and it's that dimension that's really hit home hard to me, in the sense that um, you know life. Life's quite hard for some children uh, through no fault of their own. Life's quite hard for some adults through no fault of their own. And we need to make sure that we're there as a safety net. So just being able to contribute, to, even in a small part, to providing that network of support for for those who uh, are on the receiving end of the tougher end of life experience has been a real, a real privilege. I think in the context of um, the sector and the system, we know, don't we, that it's well geared towards making sure that we will try and reach high aspirations but it's not always a system that um, works in the best interest at every moment for those who are most vulnerable through no fault of its own but because it's complex and difficult and ever-changing and um, I think that one of the things the virtual school has been able to do is, is provide some kind of continuity year to year government to government in the context of providing something that is meaningful and real and so for me, um, uh, being able to contribute to something that is of real pragmatic support has been um, has, has been fantastic. And um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in awe of the work of the um, officers of, of Cambridgeshire Virtual School. Uh, they do a fantastic job and it's one of those areas of work where you really can point at something and say that's made a difference to an individual child and that's got to be worth being involved in. Um, so obviously one of the great things is the is the volunteer colleagues that I get to work with on the rest of the board and, and great um, credit needs to be given to the wide range of experience that those people bring and the time that they spend um, willingly without pay to come and contribute just like a school governing body volunteer would work. So um, uh, I think that's a, a major factor and a real um, 
uh, bonus for uh, the system in the sense of the way that we bring people in and together like that to really focus on on something that is a core issue for all of us. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I think, yeah, absolutely. And the key really um, to the success within this is, is for the trustees, as you really said, Andrew, that, you know, it's how we how we can support the trustees and governors to really have that understanding of, of the role of the designated teacher and of the needs of, of the wider cohorts of, of children that they're therefore responsible for. Um, and I guess that, you know, to be able to have a, um, a well-engaged and well-informed governor is so powerful the ability to offer that challenge, to be an advocate for the DT, to ensure that there's sufficient time, training and, and cap um, capacity to really affect change within the school. And I think it's also, you know, where, where we have governors that are absolutely proactive and, and really powerful within that role, it also helps to keep it really high on the agenda when governors are involved in their wider work and meetings and things across the school and trust. And I think, you know, that we as a virtual school have a real role in supporting um, supporting that aspect of work. Um, so within the virtual school, we do have training available through our website for, for governors and trustees, um, and, and the links to that will be put in the show notes. We provide a template for reporting to governors, and we've got exemplar policies that schools can, can look at and, and think about adopting. We also do make sure that the role of the governor and the trustees included, it's high profile within the work that our advisory teachers are um, offering when they're going in and working with our MAT leads and our designated teachers and head teachers and senior leaders across education. So oh, thank you very much. And I think that brings us nicely on to how we always end our um, podcasts, where we ask our guests sort of what positive positively gets them up and gets them into work in the morning and things like that and I think Andrew's answered that fantastically so I'm going to fire this at you Claire uh, just sort of personally all the details we've gone through today what gets you up and gets you involved in all of that yeah so I think um, I responded to this in the in the first podcast in terms of like my role and and the way that um, you know why why I'm doing the job that I'm doing um, and, you know, that's not changed. That's absolutely why I get up and why why I do what I do. And I think that in terms of, you know, reflecting on, on the conversation that we've just had, I'd, I'd also just like to come back and just you know, say a massive thank you, Andrew, um, to you and to, to the rest of the, the Virtual School Management Board because it's only really through that support and that challenge that we can continue to, to evolve and really um, develop the way we're working as a virtual school. And we're very ambitious. We absolutely want to want to do the best for our, for our children and young people. And... Um, Hopefully, you know, with the support of our corporate parenting board, um, you know, the senior senior leaders within the local authority and with our virtual school management board, we, we can really continue to drive things forward for our children and young people. And I think that's absolutely why I get up and do what I do, because that's absolutely what I want for all, for all of our, all of the children and young people that I'm corporate parent for. A really, really big thank you to both of you today. It's It's been inspiring and it's been really interesting and I hope our download figures uh, match that. Now, as always, everyone, please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast uh, so you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, check the summary and the show notes. Claire did refer to some uh, training links that will be in there for you. So uh, that's it from us here today. But thank you all for listening and see you next time.